All right, all right, all right. This is the study of stuff. My name is Mano Elia, as always. And if you would like, visit my website, manoelia.com, where you'll find information on this podcast, on my music, and a donate button. If you choose to support the show, hit that donate button and drop some cryptocurrency or that old school fiat money. That's fine. We'll take it. But let's talk about our show today. Today, I got the opportunity to interview my man, Paul Roy. Now, one of the big reasons I wanted Paul on the show is because I really wanted to start talking about blockchain. I really wanted to start moving towards the direction of discussing agorism, anarcho-capitalism, blockchain, and cryptocurrencies, and how they can help us decentralize our lives both digitally and physically on the analog plane. Now, that's something that we kind of touch on, and when I have Paul back on, we're going to go down that rabbit hole even further and deeper, down, down, down that rabbit hole. But without further ado, I want you guys to sit back and really check out what we had to talk about here. This is amazing. We really covered a lot of ground, a lot of information. Paul discusses this amazing project that he's a part of. Uh, about It's decentralized, uh, decentralized technology, like an all-encompassed ecosystem. You know what? I'm just going to let him tell you about it in the podcast episode where you're listening to it right now. We're going to get to that in just a second. One little thing, though. For some bizarre reason, at 26 minutes or so, Paul's video feed dropped off. So I have a little bit of a surprise there. So if you're watching the video, you'll see that surprise. And if you're not and you're just listening to the audio, you might want to check out the video just to see what that surprise is. Paul's a doer. And that's something I love. I love solutions. And that's one thing that we discuss because it's oft, oftentimes, especially in a world like the one that we live in now, you get you get caught up in like complaining or, or discussing this issue or that issue. And look at this crazy freaking tyranny over here. Look at this tyranny over there. And we forget to do something about it. And we forget that we can do something about it. And that's the big message I want everyone to get out of this episode is like, man, there's some shit we can do. And Paul's a doer. That's something I really love about this man. Now, I also want you to really support this guy. So Paul... One of the things he does is he offers one-on-one crypto consulting for beginners and intermediates. So you can contact him by his email address, which I'm going to include in the show notes. So make sure you go check that shit out, as well as I'm going to include some of his links uh, pertaining to a group, uh, his Telegram group, as well as the project that he's going to discuss in just a second. All right, my friends, that's enough from me. Please sit back, listen to this amazing episode with the wonderful Paul Roy, and I can't wait to have him back on the show. All right, this is the study of stuff, and we are live. I have a really special guest today. Well, don't I always? I always do. Um, and it's actually pretty synchronistic, and I'll, I'll explain why in a second. Uh, I got Paul with me here, Paul Paul Roy. Super, super easy name to remember. Okay, so I wanted to try something a little bit different for this episode. Um, I wanted to eventually start talking about crypto, blockchain, and how that can help free our asses you know and the blockchain can help enslave us or free us and uh, one of the big reasons why i wanted paul on this show is um, actually because he's a doer and a lot of people out there you know they get caught up in the whole conspiracy thing and they're like you know which you know i love that stuff too and it's kind of important to kind of know so more more so so you kind of know where you're on the map but just sitting around talking about these things and complaining without any solutions or any action is kind of the opposite of what you should be doing. You're kind of falling into a trap. You know what I mean? You're falling into the trap of the elite, you know? 
Uh, and Paul is not one of those individuals. One of the big reasons I wanted him on is he's a doer. Uh, he's solution-based. And he's actually uh, one of the people on the forefront of trying to really bring in the new economy that's that's at, at our doorstep. And he's kind of viewing the future, uh, putting words in your mouth, Paul, uh, as an opportunity rather than just something that's happening to us, you know, something that we maybe can participate with. So towards the end of the, the, uh, the interview, we're going to start, uh, we're going to hear a little bit about what Paul is working on. And uh, but before we do that, as you all know, I really, really like to get to know people uh, and people that I interview, their journey is really important to me because I think back to mine, and as if you heard some of my story, uh, previous episodes, um, I think it's important to kind of understand how you end up in this situation after a couple of years of conspiracy theory, spirituality, uh, trying to find what, what is freedom? What is that? What does it mean? Uh, and, and kind of finding ways to incorporate it into your life. So um, I'm going to be having Paul back pretty often, I think. Uh, so get, uh, let's get to know Paul. So Paul, how did I meet you? I met Paul at Paul Selig's. Uh, seminar. So coincidentally enough, and this is the synchronicity I was referring to, we just had Paul Selig on. So I met Paul at Paul Selig's, uh, um, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> his, uh, his seminar, his seminar, sorry. And uh, anyways, right away, he caught my attention. Uh, why? Um, he was extremely knowledgeable. And uh, I'm a little picky when it comes to who I would say that about. And Paul really, uh, he, he 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 piqued my curiosity on a lot of subjects, and he was um, he was very informative, very knowledgeable. So uh, a couple months back, I reached out. I'm like, "Hey, man, what, what what are you up to? What's going on in life?" And he's like, "I'm in Mexico. I'm on my way to Mexico. I'm selling shit and going to Mexico." So that's uh, how I know Paul and why I want him on the show. So Paul, can you say a little bit about yourself before we get into your journey? Well, thanks for that intro. First of all. Um, you know, looking back on my journey now, I have to say the theme would be truth. You know, I've always been interested in alternative things, alternative ideas. And, I, you know, I didn't know it at the time, obviously, being younger, but like, you know, having time to reflect on everything and why I did certain things and why my interests are certain ways, I realized that, you know, it all it, they may be buried in, in interest, but when you look at it in the big picture, it's like, I realized that I, you know, subconsciously, I feel that the world and a lot of people have this realization as well is like backwards. It's like everything that we've been taught. If you, if I look back on, it, if I were to do the opposite of everything that everybody taught me to do originally, or what culture, or what family, or what friends were doing, it's like you could have a pretty powerful life, yeah. right? And that's been part of my journey. I think you know, and I obviously couldn't see it, you know, the forest for the trees going through all this stuff. But now that I look back, it's like. Yeah, that's what I was really trying to do. I was trying to, yep. I guess, subconsciously pull back the veil on all these things, you know, that are supposedly true and are supposedly the right ways. But when you look into almost everything in our world that our culture has told us, it's almost the exact opposite sometimes, most yep. of the time, you know. So I found great passion in following my passion and, and you know, investigating things that just kind of I was seem to be drawn to or just... You know, I would look into things and I would just be like, yeah, this resonates with me. I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but I just, you know what I mean? Like when you're younger, you don't have that sort of like awareness of that stuff. But when you get older, you can look back and be like, oh yeah, okay. There was like a magnetic force that was really driving. Yeah. It wasn't just like happenstance, you know, that you, you, you go and get into certain topics that you do or you have certain interests that you do. Um, so a strength that people have told me that I've had is that 
I'll research something, you know, it might be hidden or obscure, but if I find utility in it or, or I find truth or whatever you want to call it, I'll go to great lengths to understand it and to maybe experiment with it or, or push things to their limits. Um, and I think that's kind of been the theme of my life so far. And I don't see that really changing. And in fact, now that I have this realization that I think that's what I'm here to do, or yeah. that's what I'm passionate about. That's I can even put more energy towards that because I, I'm confident in that now. So that's the kind of place. And so it's led me to some cool things. Like, you know, there was a point not long ago, you know, like four or five years ago, I'll get years confused, but um, where I had like a real health issue, you know, and it was a really humbling experience on one level because I'd always been interested in, in health and wellness. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I experimented with all kinds of different things, you know, biohacking and, you know, uh, got into like bulletproof and, you know, I was a, you know, a vegetarian for a while. I was just kind of passionate about just finding out like, what is it, you know, like what I wasn't really raised in that sort of scenario where that was a big priority, but you know, I was like, me too, let's, let's figure this out. Right. And it was a humbling experience when I actually did get sick be because I thought I was doing all these things, you know, like, right. You know what I mean? I thought I was kind of invincible and it turns out like, you know, the things even we've been taught, even in alternative ways for health, you know, they're not always, you know, hundred percent complete. We get a lot of half truths, sometimes just as many half truths as we do with the traditional way, because there's, you know, people got to pay the bills. And unfortunately there's a lot of products. There's a lot of, pill pushers on the allopathic side and even on the naturopathic side. Very and true. it's about really like finding what are the, what are the truths? You strip away all that flash, all that marketing and stuff like that. What are, what are the really truths? What are the things that make us human or even above that? What are the things that connect us to our higher selves? <clears throat> right. So there's even like a, you have to consider the metaphysical and the physical. And I argue that they're one and the same thing. Right. Some people yeah, like yeah. To, to break them down as different things, but they're really one is one and one the same thing. So I think through all the crazy stuff I tried to go through to get myself better, the most powerful things that I did on either of those two sides, the metaphysical and the physical side, was to learn on the physical side what makes us human. You know, what are we missing as, you know, humans in the natural world? And what are the new things that have been introduced to our environments that are, you know, kind of getting in our way, right? And learning to add those and subtract those and really what really makes us human. What are the things we're missing in the modern world? And also then on the metaphysical and like psychological side, what are those things that we're missing? What are the things that we've been taught to believe that are just illusions, right? How can we really connect back to the primary things that, you know, when we were kids, before we got all the programming, before we got all the indoctrination, or were we like, like then, and then even to go beyond that, what were we like before yeah. we were born? You know, is that something, you know, and along that journey, like I, do we pause? Yeah, that's okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You know, and along that journey, I went from extremes. Like I, you know, I explored the philosophy even of um, like atheism. What's it like to, to lose all yep. kind of connection to the realization of source. What's it like to get it back? Yep. What's that? What's that? What's that feel like? You know, and in that, that whole kind of spectrum, that's kind of how you have to learn. I think you have to test the boundaries sometimes to find where the middle is. Right. 
And, yeah. and through that process, ultimately, I came to the realization that we have everything we need, right? We already have everything mm-hmm. we need. It's just we have indoctrination, we have culture, we have all these influences that have taken us away from those things in the physical realm, which I talked about, what makes us human. Yep. And then on the medical, metaphysical side, we have everything inside us psychologically and, and spiritually that we ever need. There's no outside force, really. Those are only things yep. that can help us through the door or shut the door on us. Yep. Right. And, you know, let's, I always, the one thing that I liked, I can't remember who said it, but they like to call themselves an upstreamist, not an mm-hmm. extremist. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Like, when you look at a problem, you want to solve it from upstream because then everything else just kind of solves itself, right? All the other tributaries doesn't matter. You fix the source, everything flows down that. So when we get into things like health or spirituality, how can we always be looking to get to the primary source, the primary tributary or however you want to call it and, and then be there when we're, um, you know, doing our, our work because then everything just kind of falls into place afterwards. Right. Absolutely. It's like, it's like taking a higher, uh, a higher plane, seeing uh, from a higher plane, you can have a further distance down the road to kind of uh, put it all together. And I really like how you put that, yeah. even um, putting emphasis on the physical, mental and spiritual as one. Uh, I think that's something that uh, oftentimes we, we kind of forget that and we kind of get stuck in traps. We try to separate those three and kind of view them independently, like the physical realm, the mental realm and the spiritual, spiritual realm. And I find that oftentimes where, uh, you know, new age deception kind of creeps in on that on that angle so i really like that you kind of put an emphasis on that because that's exactly the kind of stuff uh, the kind of philosophies i like to practice myself and everyone that's been on the show so it's, it's great it's great uh, great intro um but so go, going back to your journey so you you, you mentioned the, the the health situation so in that humbling experience um and trying to connect higher to higher self as you put it uh, how did that help you in terms of finding a way to treat yourself or finding ways of treatment? Well, I mean, not to, not, not to never downplay the physical stuff that I did, cause that's important too. But ultimately all that physical stuff that you do can just happen much easier and quicker and effortlessly when you get the other side, right? Cause that's coming from a higher, higher level, at least in yeah. my opinion. So, you know, really reconnecting to who we are, you know, ultimately there's, there's really top level principles, like you're loved, right? And Mm -hmm. if you can love yourself, you can love everybody else, right? That's number one, like love. It's all this stuff is like simple stuff. You may have been taught in, you know, in kindergarten, kindergarten level stuff, but it's the most important stuff, right? You, you, You can learn to love yourself. You can learn to love everything else around you. And that gives you the power to forgive yourself Um, you know, and to know that, you know, energy flows through you, right? It's the same energy that flows through everything and whatever you want to call it. Maybe you don't want to even call it love. You want to call it primary source, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all just labels, right? But if you, those realizations that aren't aren't something that you attain, it's things that are, that already are. Yep. Right. That's the thing, because if you don't realize that, then you're always searching from the external. If you can realize that it's the it's an inside job, right? It's yep. coming from within, then that's the true realization of that. And then everything can kind of flow down from that. If you love yourself, even on a physical level, 
every cell in your body knows that. And it's, it's yeah. not that it's something new. It's just, you're putting everything in line. It's like coming back to center the way yep. th- things are. Um, putting it back into the rhythm of nature. Right. I like to think of like, you know, following what's the way to, to like align to source or like that to, to your higher self or what your true purpose is. It's like you being in like a river. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a really fast flowing river, but you don't realize it like someone that's not in line, they will be clawing against the riverbanks their whole yes. life and hitting every rock along the way. But either yeah. way, you got to go the same way. It's like one way you just kind of let go and you realize what's already there. You have this force that's going to protect you and you can float down the river like you're on like the lazy river or something. And then there's those that don't quite realize what's already there. And they unfortunately are learning their lessons bumping and scraping and we all do obviously right nobody's perfect but and we're meant to learn our lessons you know in, in a combination of both ways i think absolutely because so, that's how you learn how to not do that again <laughs> right exactly and like you know that's just a just like the body when you when something's not you know you have a symptom let's call it it's just a signal telling you there's something wrong maybe it's in yeah. your environment where right? you're not paying attention to you know, maybe something that happened in your past trauma or just, you know, stuck emotions or whatever. It's all, it's all just a signal. Um, yep. you know, yep. in, in allopathic medicine, we've really pathologized the healing process, right? If they yep. could, they would, they would, you know, you'd get like a, a scab on your knee and they would call it, well, it looks like it's a, it's a clinical, you know, diagnosis of a disease right there. It's, it's, it's morphing shape and it's turning different colors and it's oozing and it's pussing. It must be the body attacking itself, right? No, it's the healing process. Yeah. Right. Like a fever. And like so, a fever. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the body, the body's way wiser than, than science will ever be. Science is always trying to Absolutely. catch up to it. Right. Absolutely. It's always a model trying to map out what's happening. And that's good. Like science in its true form is, is good. As long as you realize that's what it is. Um, there's a saying, I think is Korbinski, I'll butcher his name, but he has the, the, uh, the idea, don't mistake the map for the territory. Right? Oh, yeah. And that's yeah, what yeah, science yeah. Is, is, is kind of doing lately. Right. Absolutely. You can't confuse, you know, what science thinks the body is doing and what it actually is doing. And sometimes it's, it's not always the same thing. It's funny that you mentioned that. Cause this morning I was listening to, uh, uh, um, um, Rudolf Steiner describing uh, disease, and actually, it's as if it's as if you were in the bathroom with me this morning and listening to the same the same lecture because exactly what you just said. It was funny because he was describing epigenetics way before there was anything remotely close to us knowing about epigenetics, and so it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well put. That's Bob. the thing well with put. knowledge. We're, re- we're rediscovering things, right? Like, yes. We think we're so yeah. smart, but yeah. constantly we're just rediscovering things and, you know, planting our flag and being like, ah, yes, I'm a man of the 22nd century and I know everything, which is it's not true. You know, nope. as you know, like knowledge has been suppressed. You know, we've had many more civilizations than we know of. And even on yep. the metaphysical level, right, what I was talking about self-realization it's not about attaining that. It's about realizing what's already there, what's already available. That is the yeah. most powerful thing, in my opinion. Well put. No, I fully agree with that because it's um, you, even the the example you gave with uh, going down the river and try to hold on to the side of the jagged rocks and not going with the flow. Uh, exa- it brought to mind uh, an example I use, which is uh, the, the seed. You plant the seed, then you put a fence over the seed, 
the seed doesn't stop growing. It doesn't move the fence out of the way. It goes around and through and, and it keeps growing. And then you find a tree growing within a fence. So it's kind of like uh, nature will always find its way to move forward one way or another. It, it's going to go through and around obstacles, kind of like a parkour runner or something like that. You know, like All right, sure. <laughs> you just don't stop. You just keep sure. going full, which is like yeah. what I think um, a lot of us that want that freedom now need to do. And uh, I think that's kind of what you did do. So when I contacted you eight months ago and I'm like, so Paul, what's going on? What, what, how's life? And you're like, well, I'm selling everything. I'm going to Mexico. You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like going with the flow. You're like, okay, there's some shit coming down. Just keep going with the flow. So how did you yeah. end up in Mexico, man? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I, I've had, uh, you know, a relationship with Mexico before, you know, just like a lot of Canadians, you know, snowboard down or it's a great place to vacation, um, you know, and I actually went down there the first time again for health reasons, <laughs> yeah. I went to a specific part of Mexico um, called the Yucatan Peninsula. And the person that that uh, I was kind of studying under at the time, he had this place very, like it was a venerated place for him um, in terms of the environment that and how it could affect someone's healing process. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big sun worshiper. So there's no doubt that the sun makes you feel good. And, and when you're in the, the depth of winter in Canada, I mean, it's great to go down and just get some sun. Um, so that's always going for you. And, and most people realize that. But an interesting theory that, that uh, this doctor had, Dr. Jack Cruz, that in the Gulf of Mexico, supposedly, if you believe the theories of the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, it actually carved out... Um, miles deep into the earth, right? And this released um, a magnetic anomaly, uh, the Earth's magnetic field um, very powerfully in that area. And the theory is, is that that's why the, the Gulf sea life is so much greater than say the Caribbean, where it's, it's not like that. You don't get these gigantic oysters and this abundance of sea life. And it's almost like an anomaly there. And so this, that area of the Yucatan Peninsula is actually at the crater site of where the epicenter was. And the cool thing is, is that it also, the asteroid strike carved out this underground tunnel system underneath the jungle of fresh water that's magnetized and then also has um, charged particles in it from all the mineral content from all the, the different layers of rock that are, that are deposited there. So you have these like little pools that pop up in the middle of the jungle. They're called cenotes. And yeah. probably anybody that's been to the Yucatan is probably familiar with that. And so the combination of like really strong sun and high magnetic field, and then the minerals and actually cold water as well makes for a powerful punch. Um, yeah. I remember taking people that were, my buddy was hung over. I was like, just come man, just come. And I got him to stay in there for a long time in cold water where he was like, like shivering almost. And he got out. He's like, man, I feel like a million bucks. I'm like, man, this, this is for real. Like, it so is. that those that was my first experience in, in Mexico is going down there for kind of exploring those those kind of theories. And you well, know, before you go, on, did you go to Chichen Itza? Uh, I didn't. Oh, I went to every. Uh, no, I, I tried. I tried several times, and the universe has blocked me every time for some reason. Like, okay, I, we, I we got to go together. Yeah, no, absolutely. We need to go in uh, at the, I think it's April. 
when the yep. serpent climbs the stairs. I tried <laughs> to go to that twice and, you know, one because of the pandemic stopped me the most recent yeah. time. Um, but we could talk about that. But yeah, no, I, I went to Koba, which is the other big pyramid where you can actually climb it uh, yep. and the cenotes underneath that. And I actually had the weirdest experience there going to a cenote where we're walking through the jungle and it's like I hear like a lawnmower. I was like, what is that? Like, how's there a lawnmower on the jungle? What's this like weird vibrating? And I get closer. I'm like, that's not a lawnmower. That's a didgeridoo. Oh, get and out of here. There, there's, there's a shaman doing a bee ceremony and at the cenote and he's from Koba. It was okay. unreal. We get there. He's got a guy playing the didgeridoo and there's this guy sitting with all these like jungle bees just all landing on him and surrounding him. He's got like honey everywhere. He's attracting them from out of the jungle. It was, it was an unreal, I just had to put that as just, this is we're speaking of Koba and the, the pyramids there is just, I don't know. It was, it oh, was absolutely. Crazy. That's the one I, I did. I, when I went to, uh, to Yucatan, uh, Chichen Itza was on my, on my bucket list and, uh, the Koba was where I wanted to go the, the day after, but because the group that I went with, they were really respectful. They knew that I, I, this was like a big moment for me. So they gave me the whole day. They just like, leave him alone. Don't bother him. Let him just soak it all in. And it, because, you know, they the whole trip, they're like, let's go here. Let's go. That was one day. I just, you know, it was my day. You know what I mean? Leave me alone. This is, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Uh, and it was remarkable. It was crazy. I went to the cenotes as well. I had the similar experience to what you described. I went down with my daughter and I don't normally like getting into water. I like being around water a lot. I'm not big on being in it, but I had to do it. And you're right, man. You could feel it. Like you could feel a totally different. Uh, I don't, it's hard to describe. I don't even know how to. It kind of feels like if anyone practices qigong or anything like that, and you kind of feel like the magnets in your hand. Uh, it felt like that was kind of almost emitted from the water. I don't know how to describe it. And I had bought some uh, obsidian, so I brought it with me, and I dunk dunk it in. To the water and i had a second piece that i didn't i left it in my bag and i swear to this day there's i don't want to get to the woo woo stuff but there is definitely a, a there is something different about the piece of obsidian i took with me into the cenote so I, I i know what you're talking about it's pretty pretty remarkable experience sorry to cut you off i just wanted to throw that in there oh, no no I, I was done with that i was done with that for sure so i guess where we're going with that is you know why am i in mexico so yes i'd already had familiar familiarity being down there you know on vacation several times and exploring that area um, and going. So I, I was primarily the Yucatan. I hadn't really visited, um, you know, the interior of Mexico until, until this trip. But, you know, I was also aware of um, different uh, freedom minded groups, uh, anarcho-capitalists, mm -hmm. um, agorists, um, and, you know, a favorite place for them is Mexico right? Because it has, has a very long history of, you know, the Mexican people are very welcoming, like they're known in Latin America, for being very welcoming to foreigners, not just from Latin America, but from from the United States from anywhere. Um, and you know, there's a lot of um, history of political asylum. Um, you know, they'll welcome people in, um, they don't really care what you've done. Um, you know, especially political, you know, activists, like even Julian Assange was, um, you know, was welcomed there, he never made it there. But, you know, it's, it speaks to them. So, the, and there's a large movement of um, people there that have opposed the government for a long time. And they have a history of actually putting their money where their mouth is in, in recent times. So there's definitely a balance of power that's in check there more than, than other places. Um, you know, and during the, the pandemic, you know, there, there was, it was definitely a place where 
people seem to be flocking to from around the world because they see the freedoms uh, that are still there and there's no restrictions to enter the country, one of the few countries that didn't put any restrictions over, over the course of the last two years. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw a lot of people going down there um, and it was always on my radar through all this. Like if, if things kind of were moving in the wrong direction, it's like, yeah, let's, let's just kind of plan to like move towards that direction just in case. Not too sure how this is going to play out. In the beginning of everything happening, I was convinced that it was going to be the same as every other operation that they've done psychological psychological operation and it would be it would be over everybody would forget about it beyond the next news cycle but it seemed you know as time went on that this was not a drill and yeah. you know last last winter um there was just a realization that i had you know i said to my girlfriend at the time like okay this is it like i think this is the time like we should be like you know we should go right yeah. and she was even wiser than me because she had these ideas even farther before. I guess I was the one kind of hanging on maybe and being like, Oh, let's just see how this plays out a little bit longer. But I came to my point one night, you know, driving home, looking at, at some rentals. And I was like, you know what? The universe is, is putting some obstacles up against us. I think it's time, you know, we seriously started thinking about just packing up and going. And so I spent the next, I don't know, like three weeks, um, getting rid of pretty much everything that I have, you know, I didn't have a lot, but you know, it was still hard to get rid of a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I'm a, yep. I'm a musician, so I got rid of all my gear except for one guitar. That was very hard at first, but also liberating at the same time. You know what I mean? Cause at first you're like, Oh, I don't want to do this. But once you get the momentum going, it's like, Oh, this feels good. I was yep. even meeting like all kinds of cool people just in, in Canada. We have, uh, you know, like a buy and sell private, website called Kijiji. I don't know why it's called that. Maybe you do, but you know, I was just putting stuff up for sale left and right. And I was meeting all these cool people. I'm like, I'm happy giving this to you. Like I, I just like, this is awesome. You know, this is, I just felt like cool energy between all the people that I was giving my gear away to. So I don't know if that's synchronous, synchronous or not, or just my perspective, but that was cool. But you know, it was a stressful event and, um, you know, saying goodbye to everybody and, and not really knowing if I'm going to come back or, or what the future holds and just kind of, yep. you know, releasing to the unknown, you know, and just, you know, sometimes it seems like every time that you do that, you have the courage to do that, you know, things are provided for you. You know, even if yep. things are hard, you're going to learn lessons from it and, and grow from it. So, so we got through that process and um, I flew out to Mexico City and then um, met up with my girlfriend at the time in Baja. And um, then we you know, began a journey um, down the peninsula and then into the interior of Mexico and uh, to where I am now in central Mexico in the mountains. So I got to experience, you know, the real Mexico, not just the beach where most... Yep you know, Canadians and Americans, you know, go on vacations. Like you get to see like the real culture and like the real, the real Mexico. It's not just beach. <laughs> Believe it yeah. or not. They have like a very, you know, wide spectrum of landscape and terrain and beauty other than, you know, the ocean as much as I do love the ocean. Um, so I've been connecting with, you know, freedom minded groups um, on platforms. It seems like because of the censorship on social media, everybody's flocking to platforms like Telegram, and other alternatives to kind of um, to connect and, you know, begin the mass exodus, it seems, as this gets worse and worse. I'm just seeing, especially Canadians now, 
just the groups have grown from like, you know, a few hundred people to like thousands of people in these groups, just leaving on mass. We're pretty fucked. Yeah. They're, they're just kind of seeing what's, what's coming down the line and, and, uh, you know, making, making a a jump, jump and ship. Um, and you know, there's a lot of like parallels to, you know, in, in our recent past, recent history to, you know, places where, People were in very, very westernized, you know, modern countries. And within a very short amount of time, things devolved pretty quickly. And there was just like there is now people that kind of see the writing on the wall and people mm-hmm. that it was just invisible to. And, they, you know, we know all how know how, how history went. Right. We have these people that, you know, came to the West, what we now call the West and made lives for themselves. And if they're still alive today, they're faced with some of the very same realities that they were before they left. Absolutely. Like I know a few people that left communist countries and they're like, I left for this reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, no, 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 please. Um, You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's like looking at the history and then looking at what's happening now, it's almost the equivalent. I'm just having the thought now. It's like when you're in those situations on like the, the personal level, when you're going through something, you can't see the forest for the trees and this is on like the macro level. Or, oh yeah, we learned this, you know, in, in history or, or whatever. And now we're seeing it play out, and nobody realizes that, or most people don't realize yeah. that it's actually playing out exactly like the, it was taught to them. You know, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's scary. It's scary. Like the the mass psychosis that's happening. The uh, the complete psyops of uh, creating this hypnagogic state that everyone's kind of in. It's pretty trippy. And yeah, you're right. Like yeah. uh, not being able to see the patterns is kind of trippy. But being in Mexico, uh, you brought up a couple of terms I really like: uh, agorism, anarcho-capitalism, uh, and all of those. Those individuals they do flock to Mexico, and uh, there is definitely a culture that supports people that have that kind of mindset. Now, are you running into uh, a few of these individuals, or are you still kind of like just you know figuring your 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 location out? Yeah, I am figuring my location out. And a lot of those same places, those, you know, those people have settled, settled down. Um, and that's who I'm trying to connect with the most, um, mm-hmm. as I travel from place to place. So, you know, everywhere I go, I try and, and re- out, reach out to people. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some good, um, you know, conferences coming up down here to kind of bring everybody together. I missed, I missed the two of them last or earlier this year because just because of the move, it was just right around that time. So there's the Greater Reset Conference. Yeah. Um, it's happening in a city called Morelia this year. And of course, Anarcapulco um, happening in Acapulco, right? Yeah. And so those are two big hubs for those two communities um, to meet up and to, to network in person. Um, so the Freedom Cell Group is a decentralized community um, started by Derek Bros. Many people have heard of him. And um, essentially... It it um, it allows small groups of people to come together and and form communities and form hubs that kind of support each other. So you have a hub here, hub here, and you may have people that have certain skills in one hub, and you can kind of trade it with another hub. And you you know it's a a decentralized community, meaning that the power is not you know for instance in like a, a nation state, you know the power is centralized to the government. Here, because we're in small groups, everybody is an equal. Um, in decision-making and although they have different skills to share and they may, you know, 
have more power, you know, not power, but like, you know, they'll have more utility if we trust the guy that knows how to build the house today. Right. And we're going to have more utility trusting the note, the guy, the dentist over here that knows how to, you know, clean your teeth the next day. Right. So it's, um, you know, it's, I guess it's based on Dunbar's number as well. Um, yep. once we get to a certain, certain number over a number of people, like things start to break down in terms of relationships in terms of, um, the way the disputes are handled. And, um, you know, the farther we go up, we get into, you know, centralized governments and, you know, unfortunately even further, we get to things like, you know, a communist system or something like that, that a communist dictatorship, um, you know, communism doesn't work too well above a certain number. That's the problem. Like of the course, ideals, yeah. I just in my opinion, on a small level, when you're, when you're in like a tribe, you know, when you're in a small group, those, those things can flourish. And I think, you know, we're more, we should probably be more lean to that way in terms of, you know, small groups, um, those things tend to work out. But when we get into these big groups, these nation states, these, these, you know, these counties, with the centralized power, there's an element of greed or, you know, vice that seems to take hold for whatever reason above these certain numbers um, absolutely so and there's, like, there's a disconnect too because like uh someone's needs in the middle of uh you know the middle of canada are not the same as the needs of someone you know in bc for example and uh you know having those little small tribes as you're putting like those little nodes mm -hmm. it's almost like we're kind of making the nodes of the blockchain when you like look at uh, when you step back and you look at agorism and anarcho-capitalism it kind of looks like it's functioning in a similar similar fashion that like each node ha carries a, a specific uh, area of expertise or uh, you know being that uh, there's small communities like a kibbutz for example communism may work on a, in a kibbutz kibbutz situation but wouldn't on a national level or even with families and tribes as you just described and uh, that's right. like the beauty of it like someone was asking me today to define agorism coincidentally enough and um, I, I try to avoid I mean describing uh, a movement or an idea or whatever uh, you know, it's necessary, but sometimes you kind of get lost in the, in, in the whole definition of the word because then you'll have like this argument between li libertarians versus like anarcho-capitalists and, and like, guys, guys, okay, we're all in the same. We all agree yeah. that we need them out of our pockets. You know, we don't need a third party. And there's a different way of, of us getting there. We're kind of all saying the same thing, you know what I mean, in, in, in very different ways. The one reason I kind of gravitate a little bit more towards the agoristic uh, mindset is because of the um, the counter economics of it and like creating uh, systems where we can um, help each other and if it doesn't work for you well you don't have to you don't have to participate you know and if you and I want to make a deal together well why should some third party regulating body kind of get in there you know what I mean like the whole concept and yes. idea of, of Bitcoin now, now we're kind of going into that that beautiful world of, uh, of a decentralized blockchain um, but I think it, it was a good equalizer or like the beginnings of an idea uh, to create equalization. So the way I kind of uh, tried to explain it to this individual was kind of like that. But then he started asking about blockchain and I was like, well, uh, easiest way I could describe it is kind of like, do you remember BitTorrent? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I remember BitTorrent. I'm like, well, BitTorrent's kind of like how the blockchain works and kind of how crypto works. Uh, and then I kind of got into decentralized versus centralized. Now where I'm going with this is I'm going to like, set you up for this. Uh, but yeah, like the I, one thing I really liked about um, when you told me about your project and I looked into it, like I had no idea where, where your mindset was at. I just kind of had an idea. Okay, this guy's probably this type of person. I was correct, thankfully. And uh, I like that uh, you really put an onus on the decentralized aspect of it, but the true decentralization 
and, and how you view it, uh, I think is extremely healthy um, and a great way to kind of uh, build a future. Uh, the way, the, so the way you were describing it on some of your videos, so now I'm kind of like, the audience is like, what the fuck is he talking about? So uh, in your words, can you describe how you view the blockchain and how you view centralization versus decentralization? Because you already mentioned them, but like, let's pretend we're talking to people that never heard these terms before. So describe blockchain, decentralization, and centralization. Right, so blockchain is is a technology that, kind of falls under the category of decentralization. So let's go to decentralization first. So it's it's a decentralization of power, right? Away from in in the hands of a few to the hands of the many. Right? So let's let's take an example of a centralized system. We would know that, you know, most notably as like a government, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a corporation where it's it's a top-down system where the control and the decision-making is all done. Maybe even, maybe it could be in a pyramid structure, right? Or it could be just, you know, like straight top down, like a, a chain of command or something like that, right? Um, now, a decentralized system is quite different. It's, you can imagine instead of a pyramid, you can imagine like a circle maybe. And there's these little like polka dots all in the circle and there's a web in between them. And each one of those is a central point of power. And if someone were to, poke out one of those polka dots, well, all, the, all those other polka dots are all on that web. They can all kind of take over the responsibility uh, for maintaining the system or, or the network, if you will. So another way, I like an analogy I like to say for decentralization um, is a dinner party, like give you an example. So you can have a centralized dinner party or a decentralized dinner party. So let's say you want to go out and take a bunch of friends out to dinner and you go to a restaurant. And the chef, you don't know it, but he's having a real bad night. Maybe he had a little bit too much whatever in the back. He had a rough night and he burns the main courses. So at this point, your dinner party's screwed. You got to go. You got to find a new restaurant. There was a single point of failure there, right? It was not a centralized system. The, pa- the power lie pretty much in that, that chef running the show. And if he's incapacitated for whatever reason, everything else kind of crumbles be- below that, right? So the decentralized um, aspect of this is a, uh, is a, oh my God, what was I going to say? It's a, a potluck, potluck, right? So you have the potluck, you got everybody over, everybody contributes their own dish to dinner, to this dinner party. And if a couple people, you know, burn their dishes or you don't like the way they spice, whatever, they put too much salt, too little salt, it's okay. Because six other people brought amazing dishes and everybody can share, right? It's not a big deal. There's no single point of failure there. There's enough people to support the network that if something goes wrong and it will go wrong, we have a backup plan. We have many backup plans. And so how this applies to where we are right now in the technological age, in the modern age, we have been, we've grown up in the paradigm of centralized systems from governments to major religions uh, to all the major institutions, pretty much everything, education, everything that you can think of, every industry that you can think of, every institution is all centralized, right? And when we get to the technological age, we start to really see where this breaks down on a day-to-day level because um, when we have a single point of failure in these global systems or these systems that are just so big, it affects massive people on a global scale. I mean, just a couple of days ago, um, we had a, a down of, of Facebook, 
right? And yep. people realize real quick how much they re- they rely on something like that, right? Or mm-hmm. when, you know, a bank goes down or a bank gets hacked or something, you know, we have these major outages or even if the power goes out, right? A ma- massive power goes out, the Eastern Seaboard goes out, that's happened before, right? We get to see how global everything is and how interconnected we are and how fragile those systems are. If something goes wrong, a lot of people are, you know, are affected in one fell swoop. So decentralized technologies wants to basically disrupt all of those industries, all of those um, institutions with um, putting the power back into the people's hands. So that if something goes wrong, it's not one big disaster, right? We, we, can, we can rely on each other or we can rely on the, whatever supporting the network. So like you said, the biggest example is, is that everybody knows about is Bitcoin, right? So it started out as a technology, a cryptographic technology um, that someone released into the wild, essentially. And people, you know, in a very short amount of time, picked up on the idea, started thinking, this is a good idea. I'm going to support it. And the more people that believed in it, the more people that contributed to it, the more people that interacted with Bitcoin, all of a sudden we have a worldwide network that does not discriminate against race, nationality, um, you know, or any any kind of barrier to entry other than knowledge of how, how it might work or how to participate. And we have this decentralized system that's, that's worldwide. And it's disrupting um, different industries. It's disrupting banking. It's disrupting, you know, the financial system. Uh, to the point where essentially you could have a sw- an unnumbered Swiss bank in your back pocket, right? You can walk across an international border with hundreds of millions of dollars inside your head and nobody would ever know it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very powerful technology and no one owns it. No one controls it. No government controls it. Um, you know, no one single entity controls it. So it's very a very powerful decentralized technology. And that's what everybody knows as the blockchain. So I guess mm-hmm. I can explain the blockchain now. The blockchain is essentially in Bitcoin, it's a ledger. So just like at a bank, you have um, a ledger that tracks all of your transactions in your checking account or, or whatever, right? And in this case, this ledger, it actually tracks all of the transactions that have ever been done in the history of Bitcoin since the first block was created. We have a chain of blocks, a chain of ledgers. And this is good and this is bad. What's good about it is that basically it roots out fraud. It roots out bad actors pretending to be someone who they're not or trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes financially. Um, And it keeps power in check by everything being over the table. Mm -hmm. Now, the flip side of that, the dark side to that is that it's everything's everything's public, right? So... People don't value privacy, um, but they will soon. As soon as it starts to hurt them, like, and they realize what it is, they will. Absolutely. They will see that they want their privacy, and it's been, you know, taken away from them. And because Bitcoin right now, a lot of people consider it to be anonymous, but it's not. It's only pseudo anonymous. Yeah. Because Thank you for that. although, you know, that ledger is doesn't have your name on it, right? When you're interacting with Bitcoin, it has an address, and with the amount right amount of time and money and investigation. And in the future, it will be, you know, commonplace to basically check every transaction and where it comes from. So there's a good and a bad thing to that. And that's where the opportunity in the free market, since we were talking about agorism and, and anarcho-capitalism, that's really what it's about is, is free market, free market capitalism. 
I should mention that because before we start talking about communism, people are like, yeah. why do you talk about communism and agorism? And, but yeah, that's a free market thing, right? So the free market is gonna has come along already and solved some of those those issues. Um, Absolutely. So that's one example of a decentralized technology disrupting the finance, financial industry. Um, but like pretty much like I was saying, every industry that you can imagine from communications to land rights to collectibles to um, musicians and, and royalty rights, um, yep. insurance, like everything that you can think of can and I believe will be disrupted by these technologies. And it's a power for good and a power for bad. It can be. It's like a loaded gun on the table, basically. Yep. You know, who's wielding the power, right? Do we want the centralized systems to get a hold of this technology and use it against us in some dystopian nightmare? Because that's what's on the table right now. It is. And the other side of it is, is that we have these technologies that can be used for good and are being used for good. And we need to support those ones. And like you were speaking about earlier, where, you know, you can get into conspiracy stuff and you can get really analysis by paralysis or you can get really... Yes. Um, uh, what's the word like, um, you know, not positive, the opposite of positive. You can be very negative, you know, I guess negative, but I was trying to say yeah. it a different way. You can just be negative about something and a then pessimistic. basically uh, you're just uh, a pessimistic. A, 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 exactly a, a contrarian. Yeah. Cause that's what pe a lot of people would think about yeah. someone that's a conspiracy theorist. And there are those types, but then there's others that are looking for solutions. Yeah. And so I believe we need to be looking for solutions and yeah. utilize these things because we don't want to leave that loaded gun to be solely to be picked to be picked up and used against us by the centralized powers, the powers that want to be. And yes, just to, sorry no to interrupt there. Sure. I just wanted to jump in there for a second because uh, what you're saying is extremely powerful, and the reason why I wanted to start having episodes like this is because with uh, centralization, uh, sorry, uh, the blockchain, you can enslave. Like it, 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 it's right now. We it feels like we're at a point where no, neither side has really taken uh, control of the blockchain and that both sides and the sides I'm referring to is the anarcho-capitalist agorists versus the the people that want the CBDCs and centralized you know great reset kind of way of cataloging everything and having a ledger of all things uh, physical in the digital realm both are kind of on the table like you're saying with the gun and like the beauty of what, what you're doing and people like you is like you're actually taking this as an opportunity and seeing like, wait a minute, there's an opportunity here for people to fill that void uh, for, for those individuals that want their actual privacy, that want to be like, you know what, leave me alone. None of that shit's your business. My money's my money. I don't need your shit. Uh, take the bank out of the equation. Take the tax out of the equation. Take that shit out of the equation and let me live the way I want to live. And that's why uh, like a lot of these... Um, uh, these new blockchain uh, uh, platforms that are popping up, um, people are asking me, why are you on this thing called Odyssey? And what is that all about? And I try to explain to them blockchain, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that these new technologies that are coming forth, and what I want you to start talking soon about what you're working on, uh, it's remarkable because it really shows guys like us that grew up in that whole idea of like, we're controlled, the, the new world order is taking advantage of everything. It actually shows you an, an opportunity to exit if you choose, because freedom requires effort, R freedom requires responsibility. And here in this example, you must take action. If you don't, you don't have a lot of time and you're done. You're screwed. And a lot of people, that's what they want. They want the mommy, daddy thing. That's cool. And, and I, what I say is like, let them have it. I don't want that shit. I want a choice. So 
A person like Paul, to the listeners, is giving you a choice. Individuals like this are building uh, platforms and technologies to help you take your life back, like take your technology back. You know what I mean? As Derek Bros had a great episode about taking back your tech, Derek Bros uh, Conscious Resistance badass website, get on that shit. Uh, but like that entire community of, of uh, individuals getting that information out, I think it's it's paramount. So, sorry to jump in there. I just wanted to like make hammer that home to the, to the listeners, to the viewer that's kind of new to this whole thing. Like, I just want to buy my Bitcoin and forget about everything else. That's cool. That's cool. You you walked into the market. That's great. But let's understand that ecosystem. Where did this idea come from? Why was it important? And why is it scaring the shit out of the banker? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why is it scaring the yeah. shit out of all these individuals? You know. Sorry, I, I just wanted to throw that in there for you. Yeah, and you know, it comes back to this whole thing of why we're in this mess to begin with. Let's tie everything together here. I believe yes, I, this is my opinion that we've outsourced everything. Everything we've outsourced. We've outsourced our health, right? That's mm-hmm. why, why we're so dependent on all this, this big pharma takeover bullshit, right? We've mm-hmm. outsourced our spirituality. Yes. We've outsourced... Yes our responsibility for everything, right? We've outsourced, you know, with, yes. with Bitcoin, we've, you know, it's, it's a chance to not outsource your financials, right? Or, or any of those other currencies that you may participate in, right? This is an opportunity to take our responsibility back, hmm. right? To take, take control of everything. It's, it's again, coming back to the spiritual and, and the physical stuff I was talking about with healing. It's like, you have to realize your power and what power you have and what you've given away. You've really, it's not that anybody's really taken anything away. You've given it away. Yes. Right. Yes. And, you know, I guess through education, you know, what I'm trying to do, I guess, is just open the door for people to see what's possible and that they can take this responsibility back. And it is a great responsibility with, you know, I think it's a Stan Lee quote with great power comes great responsibility. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. that that's like with, with Bitcoin, for instance, you, you can have a Swiss bank account in your pocket, but you have to have the responsibility to take care of it, to take your security, you know, in your own hands. And, and it's the same with all these other technologies. Like it's, it, there is a responsibility there too, to, to learn, to educate yourself and to be open to these things. Um, and there are solutions out there. Um, yes. And we have to, we have to support them. I, we, we have to support them by not, you know, Voting with your dollar. Like, for instance, you know, that was the whole thing that I really loved about, you know, the health stuff is like you can vote with your dollar. You can buy grass fed beef or you could buy, you know, from your local farmer. You can go down to the farmer's market and really vote with your dollar. Right. And you can do the same thing in this disruptive technology where you can you can not buy your your iPhones or your you know, you can support Apple or support whatever big tech companies or Facebook or whatever, you can choose not to spend your money and your time there and you can look for alternatives. And the more people that do that, the more stronger these networks become. And, you know, what we're really, I think, trying to do is not fight the system, but build a new system. Yes. Right. It's like, we don't want a revolution. Yeah. Buck, Mr. Fuller. Exactly. Um, We don't want a revolution, right? We don't want to end up in the same place. You know, right. 20 years from now, we want to I build agree. a new system. It actually right. almost feels all. like that's what they're doing right now is that they're trying to push us towards a form of revolution, sort of interrupt you there, um, uh, because it almost seems like they want us to burn the shit down so they can rebuild it the way that they want it. And uh, they're coming as the saviors. It, exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, 
and that's why I love what you guys are doing and people like yourself. Uh, and, and that's why I'm trying my best to support a lot of these uh, platforms. And um, even kind of like, there's some that are like, I'm not trying to, how do I put this? There's some that claim to be blockchain decentralized fully this and that, but they're not. Uh, I don't want to name any names. And then there's others that are completely fully, they have their own servers. An example is library, which uh, Odyssey runs on, on library. Mines is another good example. Uh, you know what, what happened to parlor can't happen to library. It's there. It's staying there. It, it, your information is there forever. Uh, um, what's that other, um, not something domain. I forgot the name of it. And they, um, anyways, it doesn't matter, but there's oh, uh, unstoppable yeah. domain, unstoppable domain. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just, uh, got that myself. Uh, the other guy that works with me on the podcast and some other crypto stuff, we got ourselves an unstoppable domain. So we're going to be loading up everything there and it's there forever, man. You can't touch that shit. Like you can try to like demonetize me, whatever that, that shit only works on YouTube. It doesn't work there. You know what I mean? And, um, can you speak to some of the uh, platforms you you like that you use? Um, for example, I know you're on Odyssey, right? Yeah, yeah. We chose to use Odyssey and not, you know, put our stuff up on YouTube or or Facebook. Um, now it's, I believe it is. I mean, we can be like real extremists here, but the reality is, for most people, they have to have a transition point. The transition yes. from one thing to the other, and to like very true to go cold turkey on everything is, you know, it's probably not going to be very useful. And we have to realize that, you know, all these decentralized technologies are essentially built off of the centralized world, right? We, you know, for all the times that we badmouth these centralized technologies, like you can't, it's not all bad, right? Like we did, they, we did build open source technology, you know, that, you know, Google now owns, for instance, like Android, you know, yes. it, it started out as an open source technology and it still is, right? They, they crowdsource basically, you know, all these different developers to, to come up with a lot of, lots of innovation that they could never do on their own. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a gift and a curse to them because yeah, they made a lot of headway in what their agendas were. But they also left the genie out of the bottle to develop for people to, to build open source technologies on top of that. So it's never like a black or white thing, right? We we actually do have to pay homage to the wonderful people that did contribute to this technology, even though it may be used for unsavory purposes. Now we can still use that and kind of leverage that for for good. Um, yep. So I guess my point is is that you know start to use these technologies and don't think you have to like completely like overhaul everything tomorrow like just start with something you know pick something that you you know you want to use a platform that you want to use and see if there's an alternative to that right mm -hmm. so for me i chose to go with odyssey to post my videos um you know I'd, i'm trying to transition in terms of like uh zoom i'm trying to use jitsi meet now it's not perfect and sometimes i have to go back and use zoom but there are you know it's only a matter of time before you know the company that, you know, I'm working with is also developing a zoom alternative and other people's are too. So, you know, whatever it is, there's going to be an alternative or, you know, there already is one. So I would suggest think about it, pick, pick something and move towards that. You know, I, I like to support privacy coins. That's a big one, right? Yeah, Pri my primary currency, one. like yeah. narrow pirate, pirate chain. chain is the new kid on the block, yeah. you know, and, um, even, even Darrow, which is, uh, you know, yeah a private smart contract, something, you know, we don't want to get too in the weeds here, obviously, but I guess just, you know, there's certain things. Decentralization really has the ability to disrupt it. Like I was saying, every, every industry, literally every industry. 
Um, so as long as we don't get EMP'd or solar flared or something like that, I think it's just a matter of time before it all kind of converts over to decentralized technologies in some, to some degree. And, um, yeah. I, uh, I agree. Even so the, I, your, your point on, to, um, the, you know, continuing to use traditional uh, social media and kind of wean your way off. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I'm, I'm currently doing. I'm still on Instagram and such, and I'm slowly kind of like trying to move my stuff away from there a little bit but even like spotify for example uh yeah i uploaded my album to spotify but at the same time i took advantage of audius uh which is an awesome yeah. platform i fucking love audius and they just introduced uh, nft uh nfts to the whole yeah. to the whole uh ecosystem and like it's exciting times you know what i mean like it's really really exciting times yeah and, you, you know what you, you dark no it's not it's not, not all it's not all dark it's just the way that they paint the picture. It just seems like there's no other option. You got to do this thing. And, you know, and that's what I'm hoping like these episodes will work. It's like, oh, there are other options. We can do other things, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the whole data thing, right? That's what we're all concerned yeah. about with all these platforms is, is harvesting your data and kind of using yeah. it against you. But what yes. if you could own your own data? Mm -hmm. Right. What if you could use encryption to gather your own data and do what you want with it? You know, you could market it out to, you know, cut out the middleman, cut out Google, cut out Facebook, and you could sell your data to directly to an advertiser. You can even do it anonymously even. I mean, there's so many opportunities and that's real power. Once you realize that when you have private encryption keys and you can encrypt all the, all the data, you know, whether it's a picture, whether it's a, you know, a, a piece of artwork that you've created and you can have ownership of that and you control who gets to use that? Who gets to see that? It's a, it can be very powerful. It turns this kind of system that we're, that, that's kind of taking from us, you know, that's sucking our, our, our energy into something that's very empowering and, you know, that we could, humanity can benefit off of, right? Again, it's that, it's that loaded gun on the table. Yeah. I like that analogy. It's, it's, it's a good way of putting it, that loaded gun. I like that. But, uh, going back to the, um, the whole data harvesting and how we're nudged. Uh, you know, I, I know people kind of, they know they, they'll watch like a social dilemma or whatever. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, I know all about how my data is working, but I don't think they fully, I mean, I don't fully understand myself and I'm trying to constantly understand it. Right. Like from the early, uh, early days of uh, behavioral psychology, uh, you know, from um, Edward Bernays all the way to Cass Silverstein, you, you constantly see this nudging, you know what I mean? Like we even have terms for it now. At one point, it was just called, you know, propaganda. Now it's, called, you know, we're we're finding better psychological ways of of uh, implementing this this deep hypnosis on individuals and nudging them. And like the best example, like I read a bit of nudge. Uh, Cass Silverstein gives an example of like you go to a restaurant and you sit down and the waiter walks up to you and says, uh, "You want white wine or red wine?" Like, what are we having? White wine or red wine? And right, right away, like even me, I picked. I said red, red. But then I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't ask me if I wanted the wine. You know what I mean? That little, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's nudging, you know, it's that basic. Yeah. And if you look at our, our world that we live in, uh, and to, to your point about centralization, everything's in twos. We have two choices. You know what I mean? You have the Pepsis and the, like, and now I'm, you know, going to the, the whole election situation all that. We're always given two choices. Like even with the, the vaccine, you either take it or you don't. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a third choice. You opt out. And then mm -hmm. people look at you like, that's not a choice. I'm like, why isn't it a choice? It, it completely is a choice. It's, it's the only choice that actually tells everyone to go fuck themselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, uh, a, a lot of uh, the data harvesting, 
uh, and what they're doing with it and, and uh, imposing themselves into your private life is to help nudge you. And we all know that, but we don't understand how, f- how far along that goes right down to your cell phone. You like, you know, you're tracked, you know, all this, but you don't understand exactly what your cell phone is doing. So people like I've had friends of mine go, well, yeah, but I shut off all my privacy. I shut off all that stuff. I'm like, you're still on Android. As soon as you like start your phone up, that just uploads all that information right to them and they have access to it. So like I recently bought a, a Googled phone, I think uh, three or four weeks ago. I wanted to try it out. I got it. Uh, so far, so good. Um, and then uh, I guess I want to hear, I want you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing because it kind of fits in with the whole de-Googled phone idea. Um, sure. And yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about that? I know like we're just going to give an introduction to the audience and then uh, sure. we'll have you back on to go into more detail because um, as I kind of started looking at what you're going to tell us about, like it's really big. <laughs> it's really, really big <laughs> and exciting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's it's way more than just a phone. So we can yeah. at least start with that anyways. And I love that you got a de-googled phone. Um, you know, everybody that starts using these technologies, I don't care what company it's from, we're, we're part of the solution, right? There's yeah. no, there should be no tribalism behind anything, right? There's there's room for all multiple solutions, you know, and we should have. Um, yes. The company yeah. that, that I researched and got involved with, um, you know, I definitely looked at the landscape of the Google phones and um, I went with um, the clear company, which makes the clear phone um, because yes, they do have a privacy based phone, but they connect it with a decentralized ecosystem, right? That, that's going to offer all of the, the different things that big tech offers now, but it's not, you know, stealing from you. It's not surveilling you. It's actually giving you the utility that you all enjoy and you think, that that's all that it is. And that's all that it is with, with the clear companies, right? There's no hidden agendas there. There's no data harvesting going on. It's putting the power back into, you know, for lack of a better term, the user's hands. I don't like that word user, but (laughs) it's just like, it's just like, it reminds me of like, you know, you know, on like a forum on the internet and it always asks you to submit. I don't want to submit every time. (laughs) That's true. So I got to come up with a better term, a better term. But anyways, um, so I, I researched the clear phone quite extensively. Um, and, you know, the deeper that I got into it is just like all the, the right flags were popping up for me. And then I got to, to uh, meet some of the people um, behind the project, uh, the founder and some, and talk to some of the engineers and they're just freedom loving people like all of us. And they're bringing freedom loving people together and they have, um, a phone that operates outside of the Google ecosystem. So it does not require a Google login to operate. Uh, two of the, mo- two of the, the models are considered de-Googled phones. Uh, one of the models uh, can still operate inside the Google ecosystem without communicating back to Google. And they have a few really cool innovations that no other phone has to stop the theft of data um, going out from the phones. Um, so they have privacy-based apps that run on an open source operating system. Um, that operating system was based on um, a Linux-based operating system that you, that still runs on servers. And they have, I believe, like 400,000 of these servers deployed worldwide. And they built this infrastructure up over the last 10 years. And they've actually, they actually wanted to launch a phone like 10 years ago. They realized they had to build the system out to do what they wanted to do. So mm-hmm. the, the founder of the company, Michael Proper, he's always been interested in decentralized technologies and he's had a vision around bringing this together 
And he got the idea in order to like make this, you know, to get mass adoption, you need to combine it with something that everybody kind of gets, everybody uses. So to him, that was the smartphone, right? Everybody knows how to use a smartphone. Everybody has a cell phone bill. Everybody needs to use it. Everybody's addicted to their smartphone. Um, This is a way to connect decentralized technologies and have people use it. So the biggest problem in all these crypto companies generally is getting adoption from the average person. The barrier to entry is kind of knowledge and like not having things go over top of your head. And to be able to get these powerful technologies, put it into an interface that everybody knows how to use already, that's how we get these decentralized technologies to the masses, right? And that's how we really affect change. Yes. So I know I went off in the weeds there a little bit, but no, no, no. The the phone um, it operates on its open source operating system built on Android. So, like I said, Android originally was an open source thing before it got bought up by Google. And many people today, even I'm sure the phone that you're using right now, it probably does run off um, a custom ROM built on Android, like a lot of them do. And basically, you can you can have stuff built on Android that has the guts ripped out of it from from all the Google architecture, right? So, um, this phone also combines um, the decentralized network. So, what do I mean by that? It's combining it with decentralized storage, cloud storage. This is really the innovation. When you can connect a smartphone to decentralized cloud storage, you can then plug in all the different decentralized technologies from um, you know, currency banking stuff, decentralized finance to um, just the storage itself, right? We all rely on the cloud, at least most of us, to store all our private things, our photos, our documents, our work stuff, like everything is up on the cloud, right? Every, yeah. even governments, they all yeah. use Google Cloud. Everybody does. Well, they don't consider that Google owns the private keys to that system, meaning they can snoop on your stuff and they can deny you service at any time. As, as many individuals lately have, you know, found out the hard way they can delete your entire life. Same with Facebook. Facebook has deleted people's entire digital lives that they trusted Facebook with, even though it was a sigh up the whole time, people, people trusted to have all their photos up there on the cloud and there's been many people that have had that just turned off, flipped off in a switch because they, you know, they subscribe to a different narrative than is acceptable by the fact checkers or whatever the story might be. Right. So we're building a system here where that can't happen anymore. You put stuff up there and you own the private keys. No one can shut you off. No one can censor you and no one can snoop on your stuff. Right. How is that possible? Well, when you receive a phone in this ecosystem, you get a, a 12 word seed phrase. And this is the same kind of thing you get with a Bitcoin wallet. It's uh, exactly what I said, like 12 words that you write down. And this represents your private encryption. Private encryption, meaning there's a really long string of numbers and letters, um, very unique to you in the universe. Like the, the chances of you guessing this number or this, these characters is like equivalent to you. You know, imagining all the atoms that make up the earth and just going in and plucking one of those atoms out and coming up with this, this, this cryptography. That's, that's what secures Bitcoin. And this is what secures this, this network as well, this, this cryptography. And so you get these 12 words that represent that really long number that's unique to you. And this is what unlocks this entire ecosystem going forward. So from the most basic thing, let's say you lose your phone, you drop your phone in the ocean while you're in Mexico, God forbid. And you get a new phone shipped out and you can plug in your 12 words that you wrote down on a piece of paper and stored 
correctly. And you can rebuild all your contacts. You can rebuild the stuff that's on the cloud, your pictures. You can rebuild all your passwords, your password manager. You know, basically everything is is going to link into this this private key, right? And it's an anonymous key. It's not built on a blockchain like Bitcoin, where everything is is you know everybody's private keys. You can go on the internet and look up everybody's wallet. It's not like that. These are these are keys that are that are do not have your billing information attached to them, for instance. So when you buy a clear phone, you're like, somebody might be asking, well, I got to pay someone for this, right? I can't walk into a store and pay cash for it yet. You can't actually buy them with cryptocurrency, by the way. But, but you know, most people, they're going to be putting up their credit card information, right? They're going to be putting up their billing address to have it shipped out. And so what they've done is they've created a system where that information is no longer connected to the phone, the phone number, or those private keys. They have a third party that handles that and it's not stored on a centralized system, right? And this is how they can have a phone number that's not connected to your billing information. It's actually connected to these private keys that they don't even know whose it is, right? That's, that's if you call in for customer service, you'd be identified by the private keys. Um, but other than that, that information is obscured. So that, you know, let's say in a scenario, a lot of paranoid people might be concerned about, you know, if you heard about Proton Mail recently, right? Yeah. They yeah, yeah. they they had to kind of bend the knee to, um, you know, the, the Swiss government that came after them to release um, information on one of their clients, right? By subpoena, I would imagine, and they had to hand over that information to the courts. But what happens when a company like Proton Mail doesn't hold the keys? The company that sells you the service, the service provider doesn't hold the keys. The customer does. They can't come knocking. They can't come knocking, right? They got to go to you. And the only way they're going to get that, I would argue, is, you know, underneath, you know, torture. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're that sort of person that's, you know. Don't raw. give them ideas. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> all right. But, you know, in, in, a, in all seriousness, this is the power that we're talking about. Yeah. In, in order to have these private encryption keys, you can own your data. You can own your digital life. This invisible world that is illuminated by you know such documentaries as the social dilemma, right? This nebulous thing, it puts it into into your into your hands, into your into your head. You can memorize these twelve words, and that represents all the data on the system. So moving forward, we can collect all our data, keep it secure. And you can choose to release it or not to release it. You could even choose to release it pseudo anonymously. You could interact. This is all, you know, in the future, right? Once these, these systems are fully set up and everybody's standing on their own two legs with this stuff. But imagine interacting with an institution like a bank and you're applying for something. I don't know, like a mortgage or whatever it is. I, maybe that's not even the best example, but something like that where you have to prove who you are. Well, you have all oh. that data from like 30 years. And so you could pick out, uh, I don't know, your proof of address by like every Amazon order that came or something like that. But you don't have to reveal who you are or where the, the address is connected to. Or maybe it might be not the best example off the top of my head, but something like that where you can just give enough information to get the job done without handing over your social insurance number, your ID, your passport, like the whole shebang. Right. There could be a world where you could interact with institutions just with these private keys. Right. All they see is the private key and the data that you're handing over, like the, the Amazon. And they can't see that's Amazon, but they have a cryptographically like proven in court um, proof that you are who you say you are without having to reveal your identity. That's amazing. That, that That's a great way of uh, protecting uh, identity, generally speaking. 
Right. I didn't. Th- I didn't even think of it that way. That's a great way of thinking it. Yeah, like it's it, honestly, it's as powerful as your imagination can be. These technologies can be used for good. Yeah. Right? And I think the trouble that I that that you know I face right now is is like just I see a lot of the benefit here in, in ways that is like how do I get this for people to realize like in that example that's a good way to kind of explain that use case. But there's like you say, there's so many different use cases for this. Yeah. And this is why the clear phone is different because they're creating, they have a phone that works. It's great. It's private, but they have this decentralized ecosystem that they're going to integrate all these different ways to work under their private encryption, right? All these. Yeah. Cause I even like some of the information you sent me right down to like, uh, uh, agriculture and, uh, medicine all being decentralized, uh, within yeah. this ecosystem, my God, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's exciting. It reminds me of um, a cooler version of decentralized land, you know, the, the token. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But except, except you guys are doing it for something practical, you know what I mean? Right. Like, instead of selling a digital house for $5 million, I can actually yeah. do something with yeah, my you can, life. You can tokenize, you know, property or property rights, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's totally doable. Amazing. Um, you know, uh, what, what else was I going to say? Oh my God. Um, imagine passwords. Okay. This is a huge problem that the internet needs to solve is passwords. Yeah. It's like yeah. we've, again, we've outsourced all of our authentication to third parties. Like when you go to Spotify, for instance, or, you know, they'll be like, Oh, can you can sign in with your Facebook. Right. Yeah. Or like this, you, you are proving your you because you have to go to Facebook and then they confirm that with Facebook, all that information. Right. But Facebook has this huge list of information that can be compromised because when they go down or they get hacked, then, um, you know, all that information is compromised because you outsourced it to them. I apologize. Mm-hmm. There's a, a Mexican band marching in the street right now. But that, that no problem. No problem. So we got some we got some background music uh, to accompany us. That's awesome that that even happens. <laughs> I know. It's great. It's so there's so many cool things like that that happen here that you just don't you just oh, take for granted. I but, miss live music. I know, I know. Um, so we've outsourced the authentication to all these big companies, right? To yeah. prove who we are. What if you controlled that, right? That's very powerful. What if you controlled all the yeah. passwords? Like yeah. all the passwords that people have to remember. Like most people, you know, I would imagine, I'm sure they don't really think that hard about making all these schematics for making passwords. Or you really, sh- they even say you shouldn't even really know your passwords. Like they should be like stuff that you can't even think of. Right. But then yeah. it's so good. Your password's so strong that who are you protecting? You're protecting yourself from you. <laughs> you, make a password so you can't even get into your own account. Right. And you're trusting, they know the password, you know, the password, if you lose your password, you got to go to them and be like, what's my password. Right. Even yeah. some of these password managers like LastPass. You have a master password. If you forget that, you got to go to them and get, they unlock it for you. So how safe is that? You're trusting that they're not going to be able to use your things or spy on your stuff, right? So this encryption technology, uh, specifically the key management system that Clear is implementing, you're going to be able to log in to every website that you go to with a new password every time you go to it. Oh, okay. 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 And it does it automatically? Does it automatically. Oh, that's brilliant. Right. So you don't have to remember anything. They argue that the, the future is passwordless. Oh, I like that. Right. And now how is this, how, how, how is this secured by your private key, by those 12 words, that 12 word C phrase that memorizes that gigantically enormous, you know, 
string of numbers and letters that you could po- you couldn't possibly remember. It's all secured under that private key through derived keys, through keys that you make off the master key. And you can automate this and then set it up so that it, it so like a hacker can't say they say, let's say even in the centralized system, all your passwords are stored somewhere on, you know, X, Y, Z website, right? It's only a matter of time before they get compromised. It's a honeypot and everybody has your email. Everybody has your password. And most people, they're reusing passwords all the time, right? There's a website that you can go to. I believe it's called, you got pwned and you can type in your email and you can see every time your, your, um, your accounts have been, you know, doxed or revealed oh, really? I didn't know that. across the entire internet. So you can see all the passwords that have been, you know, uh, hacked and then sold, sold out to people, right? So this mm. solves this problem, solves two problems, solves the problem of you having to outsource your authentication to these third-party unsavory tech companies, right? That mm-hmm. know all your passwords and can data mine everything. And it also solves the problem of hackers being able to guess your passwords ever. There's no way. As long as the weakest link is you, as long as they don't have that master key that you keep safe, you're, you're, you know, there's no way that you're getting your passwords. So this I really is like a, this. Yeah, this is just another example. I can go down many rabbit holes of like useful things that every, you know, everyday people can benefit from, from these decentralized technologies within the clear ecosystem. I, I, I really like it. Uh, and I, I want to definitely learn a lot more about this because um, it's got the utilities are are endless. Like I, I'm just even listening to you explain everything. I'm thinking of like, Oh, I could use it for this. I could use it for that. Yeah, yeah. Like as you're yeah. saying it, I'm like literally, Oh, that would solve this problem and that problem. Yeah. So how was this originally conceived? The idea, um, the, sorry, the, the gentleman that uh, came up with the concept, what was his name again? Well, there's a, there's a, but there's a handful of different people that have come together to, to create these technologies. Like if you think about it, they're combining all kinds of technologies in one spot to connect yeah. to the phone, right? So it's the decentralized storage. I mean, there's other companies doing decentralized storage, but they're well, not I mean, But you guys, are, it's a whole, uh, yeah, they do, but it seems like uh, you guys are putting everything together uh, right down to like fitness and 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 uh, crypto wallets. Uh, uh, I think I read something about our, um, agriculture and food. Uh, I mean, that's remarkable. Like that's, I haven't seen yeah. that. Sorry? Yeah. And energy as well. Energy. See, see I haven't seen all that. I haven't seen someone put all of that together uh, and then like put it in a phone. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So how long has this project been going on? Like to develop this well, about the, 10 years? The phone side of things has been in development for a long time, but it was launched about a year and a half ago where we're putting phones in people's hands. Okay. Um, but the network behind it has been built for about 10 or 11 years uh, through the ClearShare uh, network um, that's deployed, I think, like 400,000 different servers with their open source Linux operating system on it. And mm-hmm. the company work with many big companies in the IT field for security. And this is where they built um, some of the architecture for the onboard security for the phone that's really unique. Um, it's called Gateway Management. Mm-hmm. It actually filters out the internet at the DNS level. So in layman's terms, it filters out all the internet traffic coming in, all the internet traffic going out, right? And again, there's all kinds of use cases for this, but I'll like list a few. For instance, spyware. Maybe we've heard of Edward Snowden, right? The whistleblower. Um, he's been very vocal about um, the piece of spyware that has been installed in, I'm, forgive me if I mis- misquote the statistics. I think it's like one in eight Android phones has the spyware on it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's as simple as clicking on like a WhatsApp, you know, message, random WhatsApp message, and that'll launch this executable that'll install spyware on your phone. And all of a sudden somebody has access to your cameras, to your photos, to your pictures, or what, what have you. And they can lift that or kind of listen to you or Pegasus. watch it. Pegasus. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In Pegasus. Right. So this yeah. gateway management technology, let's say that you are the weakest link here, which you usually are. And you somehow get that installed on your phone. Mm-hmm. It blocks the data transmission out, so nothing can get out. Get out of here. The only thing that can like really protect against these zero-day attacks and all this, all these Trojans and stuff like that, without you having to think about it, right? It's not an antivirus software. Let's not get this confused. Antivirus software is not good. That's actually a weak point in your computer. You don't want to have yes. antivirus software. This is a completely different way to address the problem. Um, so it's a very powerful technology that's on the phones that you get uh, and. You know, that's one use case. Another use case that's completely on the other side of things is you can use it for parental controls. So you Mm -hmm. can have a parent phone and a child phone. You can set a phone up as a child phone and it has certain permissions on it. So around internet usage, you could set age appropriate content for your child to watch. Um, You could also set bedtimes that shut off the internet at certain times. You know, that's, you know, I like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, even that's powerful, right? And it follows the phone wherever it goes. And because it's linked on this system, it can send you push notifications, meaning you can get a notification on your phone asking you, uh, do you want to approve this for your son or daughter to watch or or view or access, right? Interesting. And here's the cool idea that brings it all together. Because we have these private keys, right? You're essentially, you know, holding on to your child's private keys. And when they're old enough, you can hand them over to them, like handing them the keys to their car. And this is the key to their digital life, their digital house going forward. And what I think is really cool, like if this, you know, goes on long enough, you can have like children's chil- uh, children doing the same thing on the other end when their parents maybe pass on or whatever, they can take control of their, their keys and all that data is like their digital life. And they, oh, they, I love that. they can choose how to like, you know, take care of that important, you know, information that they've gathered in all their life. Right. I so love like, that. It's like the flip side of all this stuff we're worried about in the dystopian nightmare where the, you know, the government or the institution is going to like control all your data for the end of time and use it for nefarious things like in the future. This is a yeah. system where you own those private keys and you get the choice in how they're used and the data if you interact with this ecosystem or other ecosystems that may come up that are like it. This is exciting. Oh my God, you got me super excited about this. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, like because it's like you pass on, and then there's like this digital you of that individual that's passed on, and that digital you can be in the hands of your loved ones instead of some jackass. Instead of Facebook, <laughs> yeah, when exactly. You up with Facebook, they own it forever. They can do whatever yeah. they want with it. Who knows? You know what kind of user agreement they're going to have in twenty years of what they're going to be able <laughs> yeah. to do with your your stuff, right? Yep. 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 Download it to some sort of frog or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, we're not, we're not, we can't even comprehend it, but let's just be safe. Move sure. away from those systems onto systems where we control that data and we own it. No one can turn us into a frog unless we want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's genius. I, I come, uh, okay. Look, when, when you, when, when we have you back, I want to, I'm going to go dive a little bit deeper into this and kind of like, uh, really look at this ecosystem um, and I really want you to break that down because I really could see, okay, give me a second here. So let me unpack this. So it seems that the world economic forum, Klaus Schwab, right? That he's the head of, of the whole, uh, great reset right now. And all the individuals behind them who we don't know, um, their plan is to centralize. 
section off a part of the blockchain to centralize it, to kind of um, take everything that's in the physical realm and put it, uh, a digital copy within the, the, the blockchain sphere, but it'll be capped off and it'll be centralized. With that would be their CBDCs, their central bank digital currency and everything, all the surveillance, your entire life will be in this little box on the blockchain. So I kind of look at the blockchain like a big web, as you described earlier. Great way. Of, I like the way you, de- you describe that. You pull out one of the, the, the nodes and it doesn't fall apart. So you have this little web of all these nodes. They kind of section off this little box, a little prison. And they're like, this is the centralized version of the blockchain. So it seems like what you guys done is kind of said, okay, this is what you want to do. Well, we want to do the same thing. But what we want to do is put the power back into the people's hands. And so that you kind of stepped outside of that box kind of are doing the same thing with completely different intent and freedom being your intention to, to yeah. like free people physically, mentally, and spiritually. And it takes us back to the beginning because I could see that. I could see how that could be like that one you of the three different uh, degrees of being are all encompassed in this area. Cause like one of the, the uh, very few notes I took, uh, sorry, I took very few notes before having this interview with you because I really wanted to kind of like make it feel like a conversation. But the one thing I did have on there is like, because the big thing for me when I talk about this conversation is uh, realizing that there's a centralized and decentralized version of you analog and digitally. Mm -hmm. And looking at your life in that way, it's similar to looking at your life in the physical, mental and spiritual as one being as opposed to three. You know, it's one thing. But now we're experiencing this in our dare I call it the physical realm. Now the physical realm is branching off into the digital realm. And what it seems that you guys are doing here is kind of really putting back the freedom into, I'm really excited by this whole concept. This is amazing. It's bigger than I thought. Like even going into this conversation, I was like, this is big. Leaving the conversation, I'm like, this is bigger than I realized. And I guess the sky's the limit here. Yeah, it really is. And I, I totally love how you connected that all together, like from what we were talking about earlier, where you have the, you know, the metaphysical stuff and the physical stuff, and it's all one. Well, this mm-hmm. is, it's all one. <laughs> it is yeah, all one. Yes. It's the same yes. thing, right? Oh, it's only this way you're owning it and not, um, you know, outsourcing it again. It all comes back to outsourcing our power yeah. and thinking yeah. that our power is was with, without us. No, it's ours. We own all of yeah. that, right? Yeah. It's whether That's we right. give That's it right. away or not. Right? right, and this is an opportunity for you to not give it away anymore and stop participating, and then you know go back, go into a new model that's being built where there you know for instance the Clear Company is it's just a service provider that's that's you know providing a system where it's serving you and you know the, you're being able to have your own data and to, to be able to secure that like you should like yeah. why should anybody own anything why should anybody yeah. else own your data it's like somebody yeah. else owning a physical part like somebody else trying to patent your finger or something like right. your physical right. finger like not your right. fingerprint or anything like that but like your hand itself like somebody yes. could come yes. along and be like i own your hand now or you can it sell your hand going that way you know what i mean it's yeah. like it, no it doesn't make sense like you can't sell your hand like you know it's it's just it, the only thing, way that would be true is somebody convinced you right? yes. just like somebody <laughs> convinced Somebody could convince you that you don't have a connection to the infinite or the divine or something. It's Absolutely. Because to me, what's happening right now in the world, and I mentioned this in the very first episode we did with David Whitehead, when we were talking about um, the the situation that we're, we're faced with, with the scamdemic. Uh, basically, to me, for the last 200 years, it seems, or even for longer, it seems like there's been a war on our consciousness and our, our sovereignty. And oftentimes, we don't realize what that means that 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 sovereignty is is god given 
and it's something that can't be taken away unless you choose to give it up by complying, by signing away something. Like we 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 rarely uh, realize the power of our signature. Like you can walk into a bank and sign it some sign a piece of paper, and they'll hand you money. Do you know what I mean? And what's happening there is you're literally signing an agreement that whether you like it or not, it's on a on a spiritual level. It's like casting a spell, which is why we use the word sp. E-L-L. Spell is the same as like casting a spell, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I really like this concept because it kind of reverses all of that. And it kind of puts, gives us our, um, not an okay to feel sovereign, but an okay to protect our sovereignty. Like yeah. what, 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 you're, what you're describing here is you're allowing me as a customer to protect my sovereignty above yeah. all things. And, and then on top of that, my attention and my awareness, I control, which is my, my, how my consciousness interacts with things through awareness and all that stuff. This is putting that power back into the individual, even on a spiritual level. And I really like how you're tying all aspects of life into this whole concept. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty cool. It's really, really cool. Like how, how far have you guys come as a company? Like uh, how many phones are out there? If you, if you have any idea what, what those numbers look well, like. Yeah, I mean, it's really popping off now because they just had, you know, I guess an, almost an official launch. Um, you know, they had a summit that was in September. So there's a lot of awareness now. They're kind of promoting it more, you know, reaching out to different you know, like freedom groups and stuff like that. Um, whereas before they were just, you know, making sure everything's good before they really, you know what I mean? Like they have to, the one thing is it's got to be there. Three things are, you know, security, ease of use, you know, yeah. um, like it had all has to be there before they want to launch anything. Right. So now we're starting to see people start to, uh, you know, become really aware of this stuff. And like you say, like most people will say, okay, it's a privacy phone. They got storage, but like, trust me, there's so much more coming with this. It's just as far as the imagination that you can, you can create. So I'm sorry. I don't remember your original, what was the original question. Oh, how many phones are out there? Yeah, they have yeah, phones. Yeah. yeah. They have phones everywhere. So there's a big community, like, so well, let me just give some background. So originally the company based all their um, their open source patents in New Zealand because New Zealand, okay. believe it or not, has like a has great pat, open source patent laws, even though they are like super locked down right now. I mean, it's not all a black and white situation. And they have a connection there with um, the local Aboriginal people as well. Um, and, you know, the company is based in the United States and they offer their service right now to North Americans, their private SIM card service. Um, to Canada, United States, and Mexico, but they do ship phones worldwide because the phones are unlocked and they can work on, on any major GSM network. Um, they're going to be launching international service as we go. Um, you know, places like you know Australia, uh, probably UK. I would imagine are first on the list because there's just so many users there already, um, yeah. and especially with what's going on there right now. I mean, that's that that's kind of technology is sorely needed there right now. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, as they go for, forward, they're going to have more opportunities uh, for people to have like phone numbers anywhere. They're going to launch um, uh, international VoIP, encrypted VoIP. So you can get like an international number everywhere. And this further takes it away from the traditional kind of cell phone system. And they're working on other, on other um, forms of communication that are untraditional that, you know, if the system were to go down there, they can still operate. I can't really comment too much on that, but suffice to oh, say really? they are. Every time I bring something up, like, okay, so what if this happens? Like, what if this doomsday scenario is like, they got a plan. 
I'm like, okay. I mean, you guys got covered. You got things covered. I hope you have good insurance policies. You know, well, what you just mentioned is a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. So, yeah, they're very forward-looking uh, to what's coming. I'm always surprised listening into when they're revealing like the next steps and the roadmap. I'm like, geez. I'm like, and they're they're a small team too, which is really cool. You know, they I think their motto is you know you know a small team of developers that are like dedicated, united, and they're focused in their values. They can get a lot done. Um, and you know, they're going to looking to scale up as they go, but they're a tight team as it stands right now. Well, so how did you get involved? Like, how did you, like you said, you did some research on D Google phones and you kind of ended up there, but like, how did you get involved? Well, we got the phone. We, you know, I, I'm always someone that, you know, again, like I, if I find something that's kind of obscure, but there seems to be a lot of utility and truth into it, I research it to the nth degree. Right. Um, my girlfriend at the time and I were already looking for a solution to this because we already knew this problem existed. But just like everybody, it's like you look at the problem, you're like, we can't fix this. Like, how do you how do you you know, how do you get away from this? It's like all pervasive. It's like the boot is on all of us. And and, and it's, it leads to a lot of pessimism. Oh, my God, I'm in trouble with that. Pessimist. Very, very, very pessimistic. Very quickly. Most yeah. people. So, you know, we looked into all of the different options, probably the same one that, that you looked into and you have you have right now. And, you know, once I, I think, yeah, hundred percent, my girlfriend at the time pointed them out and I'm already, you know, in touch with like blockchain and, and crypto and stuff like that. So I, I recognized what they were doing once I looked into a little bit and I was like, okay, this is really interesting. Like, I really want to pay attention to this. And the more I did, the more I dug, I was like, yep, this is good. So we got it, you know, we used it, we loved it. We just started, I just started learning, you know, getting involved with the company, hopping on calls with them and, and just learning everything that I could. There wasn't really a lot of information out um, on the technical side of things, but they have a really cool like um, opportunity to actually jump on calls every week with some of the, the lead people in the company and you can actually do Q&As with them. So I just took advantage of every opportunity to ask questions and really understand. And it just led to a point where, you know, like gee, this stuff aligns with my values. Like I'm passionate about crypto. It's just like one of the areas of things I'm passionate about decentralized technology is like, why not? Why wouldn't I want yeah. to put my time and energy behind this? And, you know, they have an opportunity for people to build a business that, that, um, you know, see the value and they want to let other people know about it. Yeah. And no, I think you, you got in with some good people there. I really like that. Cause I, um, I bought the phone that I bought, but I, I'm, in, I'm planning on getting a couple others from other uh, so I'm probably going to, you know, after we get out, I'm probably going to talk to you about get, grabbing one from you guys as well. Cause, uh, yeah. uh, my intention was to get a, a few, uh, I have a few people that I, that I have with me that I'd like to get off the bullshit phones and start sure. handing them these phones. Right. Um, and because we're at the beginning of this and this is like literally the, the very beginning of like the yeah. whole concept of, of take, it, there's going to be, um, a lot of, um, guinea pigs you know try things out and i want to be one of those guinea pigs and so because like i really want to support um i really want to support this what's happening with the decentralized ways of thinking agorism anarcho-capitalism capitalism i really want to uh to be a part of it more than i already am uh and kind of like really help this kind of move forward so you you guys definitely have my support yeah but um, with your dollars it doesn't matter what like exactly. which company you go with like exactly. use private use privacy coins get out of the banks as yes. much as you can yeah. You know, yeah. buy a de-googled phone, buy a clear phone. doesn't matter. Yeah. Every dollar that you spend in that direction is going to make the, the world a better place. There's no time for tribalism now or anything like that. Exactly. Just, you know, follow your intuition 
and, you know, do your research both ends and, you know, vote with your dollar. Absolutely. And that, that goes for all the platforms as well. Like, you know, just don't stick with one, get on a couple, try them out. Yeah. You, might, you might find we need one. Lots of different ones. Exactly. We need, we, need, we need competition. We need free market. Exactly. And that's what I like about this community that's being built. There is no competition. It doesn't feel like that. You know, even with like uh, people sharing information, people building platforms, people in technology, they're all kind of like working together and you kind of see that. And it's, it's really cool. Like if we step back from all the noise <laughs> that we keep hearing about what's going on in the world, there's actually something yeah. really beautiful happening. And it kind of reminds me of what was going on like around 2004, five, six, seven, eight. I don't know if you remember back in those days, the internet was kind of like felt free and we know now it wasn't, but it did feel free yeah. and people were dropping crazy documentaries and information was getting out there and people were kind of like working together. And then you saw podcasters like linking up with each other and sharing information it kind of feels like that renaissance again but the difference is they're trying to tell us that that's not happening that that there's nothing but right. doom and gloom you only have two choices yeah. take the vax or go to jail you know what right. i mean they're scared they know the power yeah. they, they know are. the power they they know the yeah. power on every level they know yes. someone maybe not the lower level things but like at some level they know the power of the human being they know yes. the power yes. of the spirit they know the yes. power of the decentralized technology because it is yes. like nature yes. is a decentralized technology. Yes. Right? We're dealing with yes. the power of nature. Absolutely. Uh, a wise man once said, you can never create anything outside of nature. It's already there. We're just kind of like kind of replicating it where we think we're making it better. But, you know, it's so they if, if anybody understands their true power, where they come from, they understand they understand the power of decentralization. That's what they're scared of. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's, that's why the boot is coming down so hard. And the, the problem that they face is the harder it comes down, the quicker it comes down, the more people wake up. You know, yeah, and more people wake up than ever before. True. And then here in Toronto, uh, Canada, um, for those that don't know where I'm at, um, I started seeing a big shift around like the people that are like, you know, completely hypnotized and brainwashed when they heard of the third shot, like the third booster coming. Cause I was like the asshole that was telling them back in like, february march i was like there's gonna be more this isn't just two like that's not how this works like you know what i mean and um then as soon as they heard the third i was the first guy they called they're like you remember when you said that i'm like yeah they're like it's happening i'm like i know and they're like do you think this will ever end i'm like no man i i told you it's not gonna end that's not about you know this kind of stuff and uh they're panicking it, it really feels like the elite it, right now here in toronto it kind of feels like they're winning to some degree to, to most people that don't really see the bigger picture but in reality it just feels like um you know when you see the the two guys fighting in the street and the one guy's losing he takes his shirt off and goes and he runs at the other dude <laughs> it kind of feels like that's what's happening it's like their last hurrah you know just to come get us and yeah. so like that's why this conversation is utmost importance because it's a solution-based uh, way of thinking where you're not just sitting around going I'm just a victim. Look at me. We're all screwed. Blah, blah, blah. The NW, like the new world order is coming for me. No, no, man. Act. Do something. Like it may not yeah. feel that you're in a war, but you kind of are in a war. I mean, not kind of. You are in a war. It's a cold war. It's a bizarre little way that it's going. And this is how you, you fight back. You don't fight back with your fist. You fight back with your dollars, as you said. And you fight back with your mind and your decisions, how you make your choices. Do you watch that video on YouTube or do you go to Odyssey? You know what I mean? Like it's as simple as that. And, uh, like going back to the concept of agorism and community and and, uh, and family that, that like someone asked me, well, well, you know what, you know, you weren't saying much uh, like online or this and that, you know, you've been in this for 20 years. Why weren't you doing this last year? I'm like, because last year what I did is I spent time 
in, uh, in building up my family again. I started to realize the one thing they took away from us that we kind of took for granted was the concept and idea of family, you know, God and family. You know, I mean, they took that out of your hand, out of our hands. And all of a sudden we, you know, we started giving up our who raises your kids, television, school, this, all this horse shit. So last all year, outsourced. It, they outsourced all outsourced. Exactly. That's exactly why I brought it up. So I'm trying to like decentralize that. And I, I, I spent last year kind of collecting a group of 20 to 30 people, like friends and family that I knew. And I started working on them. Like, not like I was working on them, like teaching them, but I was, oh, they were yeah. like, they, they would come to me and they'd be like, remember a couple of years ago, you would tell me this crazy shit. And like, you know, <laughs> remember you were talking about the federal reserve, remember all this? Stuff? I was like, yeah, I remember that. He's like, okay, that shit's happening. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So all of a sudden I had this audience, like of groups of people around me asking me questions based on the stuff that they were laughing at me. And I'm like, look, let's start simple. They're like, okay, how? Come over for dinner on Saturday. They're like, well, how's that going to help? I'm like, well, we're going to sit down across the table with each other. What better way of to, not, to not comply but to have dinner with each other? Like that's that was illegal when I did it here. Supposedly, it was illegal. <laughs> so, so what did I do to, 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 to my big fuck you was that uh, on a Saturday, like, you know, go, go to your protest, do whatever you got to do. But for me, you know how I started saying fuck you? I homesteaded. I sat, stayed home and yeah. we jarred fucking, we jarred fucking pickles. We made tomato sauce. <laughs> like, you're like, how is that? How is that like, like a protest? I'm like, that's the biggest protest. You want a jar of tomato sauce? Here, take it for free. You know what I mean? Like those little yeah. things are how you can decentralize, put community back together in your real world yeah. and then take those ideas and go online and do the same thing. Like that's how Paul and I are Absolutely. talking right now. Like right now, Absolutely. what you and I are doing, this is exactly what I mean. This is family. Yeah. We're planting seeds. Yes. Right? And some people might laugh at the seeds, but it's pretty hard when it grows into that oak tree. Right? Yes. It's undeniable. And that's exactly what it, what I imagine it did for you. You you have an oak tree right now. Yeah. Right. It looked kind of silly at first, but to them, but now, man. It, 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 it really is because I'm looking back at this group and man, you should have heard the crazy shit they were like they're like you're not, fuck that. It's not going to happen. Like last year we're talking about. And now the same individuals were sitting around a table together trying to figure out life for the next 10 years. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is a beautiful thing. Like people that were arguing are now like trying to figure things out. I look across the table, two people that were arguing last week are jarring tomato sauce together. And I'm like, this is beautiful, man. This is beautiful. Anyways, sorry, I I totally went off on a tangent there. No, no, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, because it was something that I had on my mind earlier today. I'm like, okay, Paul, how how is it that we're we're gonna talk? Like, this is such a strange world. I met this guy like three years ago. We clicked, and now we're gonna do this. It's kind of interesting. And I was just thinking it through and going, no, that's what what, what humanity is about. Like, this is it. Yep. Like, this this is this yep. is how we do it. Like, this under, is what they're afraid these, of. Under these circumstances, right? They're just making these yeah. great connections happen. Right. Exactly. Like, thank you. I'm grateful, you know, <laughs> because exactly. these connections can happen. I've had so many great connections and people come together like my, like, you know, like even for where I am right now, before it, it was, it's kind of daunting to think like people that, you know, you did a great job of bringing people into your circle and making that, you know, planting the seed so that everybody's on the same wavelength now. But like before, like 10 years ago, it's, it's kind of, hard to find like-minded people for some of these things in your area. It's always, they're always, well, there's someone over here in, in LA or there's someone here in UK and this person's over there where we got connected by the internet. But as far as having people in person, it's like right now, Mexico, it seems like all these people are coming from all over the earth that are being, you know, 
their rights are being trampled, their freedoms are being taken away, or they've given them away, or however you want to characterize it. But we're all kind of coming together. And just yeah. like you yeah. did, you came together where, where you were, and you had the foresight and the wisdom to plant those seeds to bring people together under the pretense of this thing we could have called the atrocity or the bad thing, right? But we yeah. can frame yeah. this also as the old systems crumbling. All the institutions that we put had all these uh, illusions that they had all these power, they're going to hopefully crumble underneath their own weight and we're going to build new systems with the ashes. So hopefully, you know, the, the controlled demolition of all of the, the control systems doesn't blot out the sun, but, you know, leaves enough sunshine so that we can, you know, grow our vegetables and live in a, a new world, you know, a better world. Man, I think that's a great place to leave this conversation like that's a great way of summing it up i like how you put that that's that's a that's a good way of seeing it um listen i'm definitely gonna have you back and we're gonna go a lot, lot deeper into all of these subjects um so tell everybody where they can learn more about you and everything that you do and uh, your phone yeah so right now it seems like the place i'm most connecting with people it seems like everybody's exiting exodusing over to telegram so mm -hmm. I have a public group there, which I'll get you to link in the comments below. Absolutely. Um, they can also reach me at my email, uh, digitalfreedomtactics at protonmail.com. Um, between those two avenues, I think, you know, that's where I'll see things come in. I mean, there's a million different ways to get a hold of me, but let's like keep it simple, I think. Yeah, definitely. Just send me that and I'll, I'll make sure I put it into the uh, underneath the, the show notes, as they say. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a link to the phones as well. So people want to check that out in the meantime before we do. 100%. The Absolutely. 100%. Paul, thanks, man. Thank you. This is an awesome conversation. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for the next. Yeah, same. Igualmente, as they say in, in Mexico. What do they say? What do they say? Igualmente. It's like, okay, I agree. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, I think I heard that in a song. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. Take it easy, brother.